God promises with that. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you what, God is able to put the super on the natural. And he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, according to what? The power that works in us. Well, what's that power? It's the spirit of faith. Saying, I believe God, and faith is an act. And one of the things that cheats a lot of believers, um, and we haven't put it on our website yet, but I'm gonna, I got some things about, uh, there's a difference between real heart faith and mental assent. I said there's a difference between real heart faith the Bible says with the heart man believeth, right? Well, mental assent looks a lot like faith. It sounds a lot like faith, but it isn't faith. It's not the type of faith that receives from God. You may say, what is mental assent? Well, mental assent agrees with the word of God, says, yes, amen. That's the word of God, but never acts upon it. See, real faith is an act, and if we don't act we can uh, come to the conclusion that we're just merely simply mentally assenting to the truth of God's Word. And that's in any area of, of the Bible. And when the Bible tells us there in the book of James, but be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only. Say, for example, if I, I say I believe in healing, but I don't act upon it by releasing my faith, by saying by His stripes I'm healed, or confess the Word of God and hold fast to that, then I'm just merely mentally assenting to it. Yes, amen, you know. That's where John Wesley, actually, he got, he come, and he come over and he met the Moravians. And, uh, but when he was coming over to America, and uh, of course he had a brother named Charles. But John, when he met the Moravians, that's probably where he really truly got born again. But one of the things he said, he said, I see that so many in the church are not really saved. They mentally assent that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They mentally assent to the fact that he was raised from the dead, that he was a real physical person, and he really lived. But he said, <clears throat> they, they just mentally agree, but their, their lives are not changed. See, one of the best indicators that our life is changed is by the corresponding fruit that we bear. Amen? Because we believe the word, then faith is an act. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for the, the enriching of the Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us. And that, Father God, we know that, Lord, you know the future. You know everything about us. And that, Father, as we trust you, we have nothing to be afraid of in these days in which we live and in the days ahead. And, Father, today we thank you for, as we release our faith, as we honor you, we thank you for every need met every bill paid in every individual's life. We thank you that you said in your word in the book of Isaiah that you give wisdom that's profitable to direct. Profitable to direct. And Lord, we thank you in the book of Ecclesiastes. You said that. And Father God, we thank you for giving us wisdom to know what to do, how to do, tailor-making that guidance, tailor-making, uh, knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and all the things that would endeavor to snare us in the faith life. And Lord, we know that your word says that by our God, we can run through a troop and leap over a wall. And we thank you, Lord, there's nothing that's too difficult for us because there's nothing too difficult for you, and we believe you. And we thank you for every need met in advance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone that agreed with that prayer said, Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead, Brother Andy. Come on, and you can receive the offering. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Well, I'll tell you, the Lord is good, isn't he? Hallelujah. Well, I believe you're going to be so, so blessed today. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy and chapter 1. And Father, as we extend our faith towards you this morning, we thank you once again for utterance, to be able to share in simplistic terms the, the living Word of God, the Word that's able to change our lives, to change our future, and to bring change in the direction that we go. And Father, today we thank you for utterance. We thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding and for every need being met to your glory, to your honor, and to your praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> amen. Second Timothy and chapter 1, <clears throat> Paul writing to Timothy, and he said something here that's so important to us, and I want to share here today. We'll see how far we can get, but he says something here to his son in the faith, Timothy. He said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance, verse 6, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, what he was talking about specifically, Bible scholars would agree with this, is that he was talking about the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay? The gift of the Holy Ghost, which is a gift that we receive that's subsequent to being uh, saved or receiving the gift of salvation. There's the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit has a part in that. But then also the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Well, Paul here is t reminding Timothy, his son in the faith, to stir up the gift of God that's in you. Well, Peter said, if you read his epistle, he said, I want to stir up your pure minds about some things. And the things that are important to us, we need to stay stirred up about. How about staying stirred up about the truth? Right? When we talk about staying stirred up, I don't know if you've ever made any soup or anything where you're cooking it. And uh, the, the certain things seem to settle to the bottom of certain things, right? And uh, they, they are, for lack of a better expression, <clears throat> out of sight, out of mind. You know, if you've ever cooked certain types of soup and uh, you leave it on the burner for a while, it's cooking. But if you just looked at the surface, you wouldn't know the full depth of really what's in there. Right? So it, when you take that spoon or that ladle, whatever, and you start stirring that up, then what happens is, is you, you begin to see that certain things come up from the bottom. Well, a lot of things in life, it's like the old saying, out of sight, out of mind. And one of the things the devil always tries to do, forever tries to do against our lives, is tries to get us to get into a mode of forgetfulness about the promises of God. And so we have to, and like Peter said in another place there, in Second Peter, he says, as long as I'm in this, this tabernacle, I'm gonna, or this tent, in other words, he was talking about being in the flesh, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir you up and I bring to your remembrance certain things. The scripture also tells us in the book of Hebrews that uh, Paul talking to the, the Hebrew Christians at that time, and he said, uh, we, we should put ourselves in remembrance of certain things, lest at any time we let them slip. Lest at any time we let them slip. Well, how many of you didn't know that if you try to go to the beach and, 
and we got a lot of sand around here for that matter, but if you particularly go to the beach and you pick up a handful of sand and you try to hold it in your hand, how long can you hold it even as you try to clutch it so tight? Can you keep every grain of sand in your hand before it starts to slip out? doesn't take very long, does it? I said it doesn't take very long, does it? No, and the longer you go, the more the, it's going to have the tendency to slip out of your hand because you're going to lose the grip. You're going to loosen it, right, after a period of time, most people anyway. Well, uh, that's similar to how the Word of God is. Is we, the, Sometimes the things that we knew and really did know, we let them slip out of our remembrance and out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. I said out of sight, out of mind. So we start to forget about those things. Right? Amen. Now, 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 you say you got scripture for that? Absolutely I do. I'm glad you asked. Turn to 1 Peter. Look at this. Let's look here in Peter. 2 Peter, actually. And this isn't, well, really in my notes, but anyway, it's good anyway. This is for somebody, but... There's such a great truth, and it's all through the Bible, but Second uh, Peter chapter 1, it says here in verse 2, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Well, how is grace and peace multiplied to us? How is it not just added, but how many of you know there's a difference between addition and multiplication? How many think it's a good idea to have things added to you, but it's even better if things, certain things are multiplied to you? Amen? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, grace and peace, thank God, the Bible says by grace, Ephesians 2.8, by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, it, it's the gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by works. We're rewarded for works. But we're saved by the grace of God, actually by faith in the grace of God. But I want you to notice here, even in this verse, it says grace and peace are multiplied. And how are they multiplied? Now, he's writing to believers, mind you. But it's multiplied in what? In the knowledge, right? So in other words, if I have knowledge, it's power because things are multiplied to me. And those things that are multiplied to me are things that are God-sent. God breathed, God given, Amen. So praise God, thank God for the grace of God that can be. We got saved by grace, by faith in the grace of God. But then there's furthering grace, true grace. I'm not talking about greasy grace. I'm talking about true grace that is extended towards us that can be multiplied unto us, and it's through the knowledge of God. So if I have knowledge about God and I get more knowledge about God, then I can have a greater access point to the grace that's truly in Christ Jesus. Like, for example, case in point, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. This isn't in my notes, but it comes up in my spirit. I think about the grace of God. Verse 8. Verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 9. Is it up there? Oh, there it is. For you know what? <laughs> Everybody say grace. Grace. You know, prosperity is a real grace of God that can be entered into and multiplied to you. Yeah. Right? When we do our part, God can do his part 
in a greater and greater way. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, though who was rich? Jesus was rich. And say people say, well, this is, you know, this is talking about spiritual riches. Well, it's true, right? right? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one that uh, that to blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord who has uh, given us all spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, right? People say, well, you see here, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Well, this isn't talking about spiritual uh, poverty, because Jesus didn't become poor in what a lot of people think, right? Because the spiritually poor can't raise the dead. Right. <laughs> right? But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty, what, might be rich. Now what does the word rich mean? It means a full supply. It means abundantly provided for. Amen? Amen. Now is that a grace we can tap? There's all kinds of different graces, but this is just one of them. This is just one of them. So how does that happen? Through the knowledge of this? Because you can apply that to your life. I can apply it to my life. Believe it. How do I apply it? I believe it. I, first of all, I know about it. But secondly, I act upon it. Right? So now back to Second Peter. Now look at this. Second Peter 1. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. According as his divine power hath given unto us. What? All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him. Again, here's the word knowledge. Through the knowledge of him. So i got to know something. Remember it says there in the book of Hosea 4, chapter 4, verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed for what? Lack of knowledge. Uh, the prophet Isaiah said it a little bit differently. But he said the, basically the same thing. When he said, by the Spirit of God, he said, my people are gone into captivity. My people are gone. And, and in this, in the case of Hosea 4, 6, they rejected knowledge. Well, we can reject the truth about things, can't we? But we shouldn't. But notice here, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him. See, that's key. Through the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him that I have that you have, that have called us to glory and virtue. And the word virtue means power. Whereby are given unto us, what? Exceeding great and precious promises. Paul says in another place in 2 Corinthians, he says, yea, all the, promise, all the promises of God are in him, yea, and in him, amen, to the glory of God. All of them. The, the Bible's full, for the Christian is full of the promises of God from start to finish. From start to finish, glory to God. But he says here, he said he's given unto us exceeding great. Not just great, but exceeding great. That means super above. Super above. Super above great. Think about that. (laughs) Super above great. If we say something is great, it pales in comparison to the exceeding greatness of what God has done for us and what we can walk in in this side of heaven. Glory to God. 
I said, glory to God. The exceeding, he's given unto us. And when you find the word us in the Bible, when you find that word, that's a precious, precious word in your Bible. And you know what that is? That's where you are. In the New Testament, that's where you are. That's where I am as a child of God. He's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through what? Through lust. In other words, we're supposed to walk differently than the world walks. Because why? We've been a partaker of the divine nature. You've been a partaker of the divine nature. In other words, there's a new man on the inside. When you got born again, as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, him who knew, 17 rather, it says, him who knew no sin was made to be sin on my account, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we're a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. Uh, through lust, verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. See, we have faith in Christ already, but there's certain things we need to add to it. Right? What does he say? Besides this, giving all diligence. Now that word diligence is a key word because we need to be diligent in the things of God. We need dil- we need to be diligent. In other words, have a stick to itness about us. But giving all diligence, add to your faith what virtue? Virtue is power. It's moral excellence. Thinking right, right? And to virtue, knowledge. Knowing something. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. Charity is love in action. If these things be in you and abound they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in what here's the word knowledge again in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ in knowing what he did for us okay does god want us to abound in these things sure he does but he doesn't want us to be barren nor unfruitful so there's a certain degree of barrenness that we're going to experience in our life and unfruitfulness if we don't have knowledge of these things. All right? So he doesn't want us barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he wants us to let our light shine here on planet Earth, to be a witness to others. But notice verse 9. This is really where we wanted to get to, but that's all good too, isn't it? Now, in the context, look at verse 9. It says, but he that lacketh these things is what? He's blind. Okay, well, we know if somebody's blind... They can't see. And he goes on to say here, and cannot see afar off, and hath what? Hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. See, so there's a forgetfulness that can come on our life or come into our life. And obviously it's by the help of the devil to forget about the great salvation we have. And we, ne- we can con- neglect so great a salvation Look at another scripture. I, I quoted it a moment ago. But go here into chapter 2 of Hebrews, chapter 1. Look at this. It says there, verse 1, Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So a lot of these things, what is the Lord saying to us? 
He's saying have knowledge about these things, but then when you get knowledge, don't let it slip away from you. That's why we repeatedly go over the same things, and we should go over the same things, because that's what makes us strong. That's what fortifies our life spiritually, is that we, as believers, stay strong, just like the same man that's working out uses the same barbells every day, lifting the same weights, because why? Repetition builds. I said repetition builds. Right? Amen. All right. So you can see that. We don't want to let the truth of the Word of God slip away from us. Now, 1 Timothy. First, or 2 Timothy, excuse me. 2 Timothy and chapter 1. And notice what it says here. Back in verse 6. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. So in other words... Obviously, Timothy was being exhorted by the Apostle Paul that you need to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Well, think about this. There's so many gifts, if you will, that have been given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's bestowed upon us these precious promises, right? We just read about that in Peter. You start finding the scriptures that promise you the things you're praying about, which are the promises of God. Amen. But notice what he goes on to say, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Verse 7, it says, for God hath not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? A sound mind. So what does fear endeavor to do to our lives? Disrupt us. Disrupt our thinking process. And if we don't have a sound mind, we're not going to have sound judgment. In other words, not, we're not going to think clearly. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but what? Be ye transformed... Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, the salvation process is already complete because we've been born again. And the Lord redeemed us, spirit, soul, and body. And a Christian has been born again on the inside. One day we'll have a glorified body when Jesus returns, right? And But what we have to do is we have to renew our mind. And the renewing of the mind, actually, if, if, you, if you look back to the, in the etymology of the word, and the New Testament was originally written in Greek, mind you, but that Greek word there, and I don't like to get back into the Greek so much, but this one, there's a lot, because a lot of our words also have, you know, Latins involved and such, but uh, a lot of times some people get in the weeds in the Greek. But this one is very interesting because... That's the Greek word metamorpho. Metamorpho. That's where we get the English word metamorphosis. Well, what is metamorphosis? Metamorphosis is uh, the transforming process that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. I mean, that ugly caterpillar doesn't look anything like that when he comes out on the other side of that cocoon, does he? 
But see, the same thing's true with us as Christians. If we begin to wash our minds and renew our minds to the Word of God, we begin to think like God thinks and think differently, then guess what? There's a transforming process that begins to take place in our life. And that's the first thing that God calls us to do after we get born again is change our thinking. Is begin to think like He thinks. Talk like He talks. Well, you see here, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, I want to look for a few moments today to the prayer, a certain type of prayer, that is important for us to realize. And I'll get to that in just a moment. Luke 21:26 says that in the last days, men's hearts... Failing them for what? Fear. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So men's hearts failing them for fear. Now this is talking about just men in general, but if we're not careful as a Christian, that can be absorbed into our life also. Because there's a lot of what ifs, what maybes, right? in the world today I mean we look at what's going on in the world and we can see the processes that are taking place in the world all around the world we see the globalistic agenda we see and this is really uh, right out of uh, the plan of Satan and what he wants to do in these last days because he wants to disrupt the plan of God from coming to pass on the earth which is men and women boys and girls coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that's what he wants. I said that's what the devil wants. But I'm glad that God is greater. Aren't you? I'm glad that God is greater. Hallelujah. So men's hearts failing them for what? Fear. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Now again, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So whenever I start getting afraid, then I'm getting over in the devil's territory. About whatever it is, people get afraid they're not going to make it health-wise. They get afraid to go to the doctor. They get afraid to hear the doctor's report. They get afraid they hear the news media. They hear uh, certain things uh, that are propagated. And <laughs> so much of it, it, it's, it comes out of the spirit of fear. It's propaganda. I said it's propaganda. Right? It's not truth. Amen. And so much of it is is trying to dispel faith even in the Christian. And it will if they're not careful. So what we have to do as believers is to be able to recognize that. Well, of course, we wouldn't recognize it if we didn't believe the devil was around and that he could emit fear. But whenever the devil comes, he's always going to try to make you afraid. That you're not going to make it with your health. You're not going to make it with your finances. You're not going to make it. The jig is up. The boat is sinking. Right? There's no way out. Right? I like the one man's mentality. He said, you know, I'm surrounded to the, by, on my left side. I'm surrounded on my right. I'm surrounded in my front and, and, and behind. The enemy's in, in, to my left and to my right. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He can't get away. That's the mentality. <laughs> I said, that's the mentality. Amen? 
We're called to fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. That's the promises of God, right? And how is that multiplied to us? In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. So it's through the five physical senses that the world in general, but specifically we're looking at today, is that the Christian can even succumb to this and fall prey to this if they're not careful. Being afraid of what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen? You know, we have so many unsettling, uncertain things in the times we live in. But one thing's for certain, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never change. His word will never change. Because he never changes, his word never changes, then we can rest assured that God will always do what he said he would do. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. Well, it's fear again. God has not given us the spirit of fear. In John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus said, He said, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And there's much that could be said about this verse. But I think one of the things that's important for us to look at is the fact that uh, we have to realize and follow as the example of Jesus. We always should, right? But looking, there are certain things that Jesus didn't even talk about with his disciples till after he was raised from the dead. Because they could, it could make them afraid. And it can open the door to certain things. And we know that Jesus never sinned. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin, but he never sinned. Right? And so he went on to say there in verse 30, For the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. Nothing in me. Now we can say it a different way and do no injustice to the scripture. Satan cometh and findeth nothing in me. In other words, Jesus did not have any handles on his life to where the devil could access him. Jesus didn't have any handles. In other words, there was nothing that the devil could take hold of in his life. And specifically, he was talking about his words. He couldn't, the devil couldn't do it. Now, think for yourselves. I think for myself, do I allow the devil access into my life by one of the words I speak? By what I do? Right? Have I given him an, an advantage in my life by what I believe, by what I say, by how I think? Have I given the devil an access place into my life to where he can get a hold on my life and turn it in a certain direction that really God doesn't want me to go? This is where a lot of times we see Christians get off track in. They get off track in their thinking. They start deviating from the course, just like if, you, if you're if you flying out of Redmond here in central Oregon, you're flying to New York City, and uh, the pilot was two degrees off. By the time he gets to New York City, guess what? He's way off course. And a lot of times people don't realize that until they're in a heap of trouble. 
But thank God we can repent. Thank God we can get right back in, uh, in the sweet spot and we can make the adjustments in our life. But see, Jesus had no handles. In other words, he could, the, the devil could not take a hold of him in some way. And see, one of the great places that the devil endeavors to do to all of us as believers is take hold of our thinking, the way we think, the thoughts we think. And many times believers, if they are not careful, they allow the devil high carnival and access into their life. And it's all through the unrenewed mind. But not thinking right about things. We start thinking that God might not meet my needs. God might not come through. God's not faithful. God doesn't love me. See, all of these things are, are given in a, such a way through the power of suggestion. Have you noticed that? Same thing that happened back in the garden. The devil's got no new tricks. He's using the same thing he used on Adam and Eve some 6,000 years ago. Hath God said. Hath God said. And one of the things we see in society now is a term that's, that's, that's being used quite frequently is the word gaslighting. Have you heard that name or that word? Gaslighting. Well, the devil's the original gaslighter. Now, gaslighting has to do with getting people to think that what they see is not real and to believe it's a psychological warfare that takes place in the Christian's life. And it takes place every day, whether we realize it or not, it's going on. Because why? The devil's always forever trying to get us so disturbed thinking and emotionally upset that we can't keep our focus on the truth of God and who he is. And again, what does that eventually lead to? And it's all precipitated by the spirit of fear, right? And it causes people to lose their mind. To lose their, as some people would call it, their wits about things. Right? I mean, look at our society. How many people are on some type of, uh, uh, of drug to help them in their mind? And there's nothing wrong. I know certain people, I mean, yeah, they, they just, uh, they need something. And if the doctor can help them, great. Right? Nothing against that. Right? But so many times, we try to put a Band-Aid on a heart attack. And think it's going to be okay. Well, I'll tell you what. The word of God is true. It's yea and amen. And so when we allow the word of God, which Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. When we allow that to be absorbed into our life through the process of the eye gate, the ear gate, specifically feed the word of God into our spirit in the process, allowing it to renew our mind, it's spiritual manna from on high. And what it does is it facilitates the plan of God, the power of God being released at the point of our need. Because we're spiritual people. But we're walking in the natural world. The devil's the god of this world. Right? Well, if, if, if we renew our mind, if we don't have handles on our thought process, so to speak, you know. I mean, how many of you ever tried to take, take hold of some pot that's on the burner that's boiling hot and you don't have any handles on it? You try to do that, you're liable to get burned. Besides make a mess. Right? Amen. 
But see, taking the handle off, you, you, you can't get a hold of that thing like you should, but you put a handle on that. Well, see, that's how the devil gets access, and most of the time it's by through the spirit of fear. It's through the spirit of fear. And how does he, how does he facilitate that to the greatest degree? It's the what-ifs. You know, I, I've talked to so many people through the years that they've, they've said in so many words, the devil's talking to me. He says, I'm going to kill you. 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 And it's, say, so well, when did, the, when did it start coming to you with those thoughts? Oh, that was 30 years ago. Well, if he could, he would have. But he can't. Right? He always tells you what he's going to do. Well, I'm telling you, blessed be God, what God's going to do. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. So fear opens the door to torment that we shouldn't be walking in. So, a lot of times it's the tongue of each and every one of us that gets us in trouble. That's why we need to tame the tongue. That's why we need to make sure that it's speaking what God said. See, the Bible says in Ephesians 4, in uh, verse 27, it says, Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. So in other words, the devil can't have a place in, our, in my life if I don't give him place to it. If I learn how to shut him down. Right? So, as I said a moment ago, there is certain ways to pray. There's different ways to pray. Not, not every prayer is the prayer. Prayer is the same. You hear people say, you know, well, let's, all prayer is prayer. Well, it's, that's like saying sports is sports. But you don't play football with baseball rules. Do you? Now, some people may <laughs> try, but they're going to miserably fail. But here's the point is, a lot of Christians don't know the, the, the power that's released in their life and the hedge of protection that encompasses them when they learn how to pray the prayer of casting your cares upon the Lord. There's much to be careful about in the natural in this world right now. And it's only really begun. We haven't seen anything yet. And that's not to, you know, proliferate the, the spirit of fear in this place today. But the fact of the matter is, there's lots of unknowns. The fear of the unknown is a big tormentor of people's life. The fear of the unknown. But we learn how to pray effectively in different circumstances of our life, especially when the spirit of fear comes upon our life, is the prayer of casting our cares on the Lord. Now with that in mind, look at Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I want you to notice with me, beginning in verse 6, Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. And he says here in verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. Let's say that together. Be careful for nothing. Be care-filled for what? Nothing. Now, he doesn't mince words here, does he? This is written by the Spirit of God and is most apropos for us today. So right there you have it. Be careful. What does careful mean? Full of care. Full of care. Right? 
Be careful. So what what is the Word of God tell us to do? Be careful or full of care for how much stuff? A little bit. Does the Bible exaggerate? Hmm? It doesn't, does it? It does not exaggerate. Well, isn't there a lots of stuff we could be afraid of? Isn't there lots of stuff we could be concerned about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of stuff. Like one person said, you know, when fear came to him, they said, I just, I passed up a, a lot of marvelous opportunities to be afraid. <laughs> I passed up a lot of marvelous opportunities, right? Well, can we pass them up? They say, no, I think I'll pass. But see, faith is an act. So it says, be careful or full of care for nothing but in everything. Right? Now this is talking about the prayer of casting our cares upon the Lord. And this is just one way that we pray. But in everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Well, what does carefulness mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It means being full of worry. It means being full of anxiety. It means being burdened down, weighted down, fretful, right? You heard of people being fretful, worrisome. We used to have, my sister would remember this, brother-in-law, he'd, they, they remember this. Uh, there was a man who had a radio station in Atlantic, Iowa, and it was called KJAM. And uh, actually, there was a few people that owned it. But one of them, his, his name was Bob Einhaus. You remember him? Of course. He, didn't, he had some kids you knew, right? They were, they were a little older. But anyway, Bob Einhaus, he had a program that come on at 7.30 every morning. Right? What was the name of that? Do you remember? Worry Bird. <laughs> and you wouldn't hear the people on the other side of what they were saying, but he'd kind of repeat in his own words what they were saying. And people would call in. 15-minute program. Jonesy, do you remember that? Worry Bird? Huh? What's blue? He said, good morning, Worry Bird. Yeah. Uh, and it was a funny deal because people would call in and say, and sometimes he'd re- try to repeat it, sometimes he wouldn't. But, but the whole thing, the whole persona is worry bird. You've heard of people being called worry bird, right? Maybe you've been one. Hopefully not. But worry about this. We hear about people being called worry warts, right? Worry, 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 worry. Worry is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. You go back and forth and back and forth. It's like what the book of James says, a double-minded man is unstable in half of his ways. Oh, no, it's all, right? Okay, I'm sorry, I misquoted that. <laughs> he's, he's unstable. See, what that does is when you're rocking back and forth, babysitting, nursing that worry, nursing that anxiety, nursing that fretfulness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Is God going to come through? Well, see, he doesn't want us to live that way. And what that does is that disrupts our peace. That disrupts our peace, the peace of God. Isaiah 26.3 says, He keeps him in perfect peace whose what? Mind is stayed on thee. Whose mind is stayed on thee. So Christians in these last days, we need to have our wits about us, right? 
We need to think straight. How many of you know when people get under pressure, under duress, a lot of times they make bad decisions? Right? They make bad decisions. Why? Because the devil wants them to succumb to worrying, to being anxious about it. Everything we do is taking steps of faith. Everything we do is taking steps of faith. We walk by what? Faith, not by sight. So everything in the Christian experience is a faith adventure. You don't know the end. The Bible says we're to declare the end, that God declares the end from the beginning. But we have to be careful, and I use that word particularly, correctly, but we have to be careful in the right way that we don't get consumed with the wrong things about tomorrow, about what's going to happen. Because the devil will do his dead level best to get us so full of fretfulness, so full of anxiety, so full of worry. How's this going to work out? Well, God never tells us that we need to do his part. We only need to believe that he's going to actually do his part. And what is that the, the, what is that seen as? The faithfulness of God? Because he's going to keep his promises. Amen? So be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what? Verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall what? Keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Right. You want to keep your mind? You want to keep your heart? Then keep keep <laughs> what the Bible says here. <laughs> Stay in peace. You pray. And when you pray, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to believe that God actually heard you. Right? Right? Now, sometimes the answer doesn't come lickety-split through because we got resistance. we got forces, unseen forces of darkness that try to dissipate our faith in God and stop us before we see the breakthrough. But if you hold steady in that, then you can whip the devil every single time. Because you hold him in the arena of faith rather than getting into the arena of reason. And see, that goes back to what, what does the devil always try to do in my life? He always tries to get me to enter into the land of reasoning, the land of wondering. You start wondering, you're going to become bewildered. You're trying to figure out what God and how he's going to work it out. That's not our part. What's going to happen in my business? What's going to happen? The economy's going down. They're talking about all this. Yeah, well, hey, I acknowledge the fact there's lots of stuff. Inflation is going on in this. Well, is God just limited to man? What man can figure out? And man can mess things up. Have you noticed that? <laughs> but God can straighten things out. And he can provide for me. He can make a way when there seems like there is no way. And he'll get business to me if I'm in business. He, he will help me in the name of Jesus to overcome every single obstacle. Because I look at that obstacle as an opportunity to believe God. I look at it as an opportunity to exercise my faith. I count it all joy when I fall into diverse temptations. See, because the trial of my faith is more precious than gold that perishes. Oh, I'm going to lose my job. 
I'm going to lose my job. Well, you were looking for a job when you found that one. Right? That's the way to look at it. I mean, look. Hey, God is our source. And how many of you know that he's got many resources? Right? And we, so many Christians are just so bewildered about, man, look at this. And hey, it doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge the fact that there is things that are trying to work and creep into our life. But we as a believer take God at his word so that God can move, so that God can work. Amen? Now, so when we are careful for nothing, that means in everything I go to God in prayer. I'm not going to let the worry consume me. I'm not going to allow the anxiety consume me. I'm going to pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus. I want to thank you that you're on my side. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Uh, When I overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of my testimony, and I testify today that in the name of Jesus I'm a believer and not a doubter. God's on my side. Uh, No weapon formed against me can prosper. Every tongue that rises against me, I condemn it. Yea, if God be for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can move me away from the truth of God's word because God's on my side. Me and God make a majority. Now beat it, Mr. Devil. In Jesus' name, go from me. I bind you in Jesus' name. You harassing spirits, go from me. Go from me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command you to go. So you take authority over it and you say, No, you don't. No, you don't. Go from me. Go from me. Just like you'd say to that little rascal of a little dog that tries to come and, you know, mess with you. And and you say, oh, go away. Go away. Go away. Tries to bite you. Tries to mess with you. Just disturb you. What do you, if you mean it, what do you do? You finally say, skate. Skate. Get out of here, right? Well, see, that we have to, the devil's not a friend. He's not our friend. He's our enemy. You have to treat him like that. No, we're real nice to people, right? But we're not nice to the devil. Right? So when you pray, you say, Lord, I take this, worry about this problem, this situation, this issue. I'm glad you got me covered. I'm glad you got me covered. I'm glad I can go to bed at night and sleep. I don't have to worry about it. And then when the care tries to come back on you, you you keep it cast over on the Lord. Cast over on the Lord. See, a lot of people just like, well, you know, God needs my help. And God needs my help in this way. God needs my help in figuring out how to get me out of my jam. No, he doesn't need my help. He needs my surrender. He needs my obedience. He needs my submission to cast the care over on him. So then he can, because I do it by faith. It's not because I feel like it. I do it by faith and say, hey, okay, Lord, you got the care. I'm not going to take the care. I resist the care. I'm not taking that anymore. In Jesus' name, right? Psalm 55, verse 22, read this. It says, cast thy burden, right, upon the Lord. See, the Old Testament and the New Testament agree, all right? Cast thy burden upon the Lord, Psalm 55, verse 22. Let's read this together. Oh, the Bible is so rich. Cast thy burden upon who? 
take the burden yourself. And see, really, it's a matter of pride. It's a matter of pride. Because I think that all my human ingenuity and how smart I am and how wonderful I am and everything, that I can figure it out. Well, no, we need desperately to learn how to cast our cares on the Lord so that he can actually absolve the problem by taking care of the problem, which he said that he wanted to do in the first place. Because God's not our answer. He is our answer. God's not our problem. He's our answer. But we can be the problem because we just keep... Because it, these cares keep repeatedly coming back to us, right? Have you noticed that? Or am I the only one? No. Oh, okay. All right. Some of you noticed that too. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and what? He shall sustain thee. Glory to God. Yes. That's good news, isn't it? Amen. He shall sustain. What? It goes on to say, he shall never suffer, or the word suffer actually means permit. He shall never suffer the righteous to what? Be moved. So I cast the burden over on the Lord. What's the burden talking about? It's talking about the care. It's talking about the worry. It's talking about the anxiety. It's talking about being fretful. It's talking about being anxious. Right? Because there's so many things to be anxious about. Right? But our mind, if we're not careful, I use that word rightly now, it can become the devil's playground. And he starts messing with our peace. He starts messing with our joy. Right? So we cast the burden over on the Lord. Well, if the Lord has got it, it's like this one woman come up to this one minister one time in prayer. And uh, she, she was having difficulty about with the cares of, that were going on in her present life. And said, I just want you to pray for me that uh, the Lord will take half my cares. I will take half of them. And uh, if he take the other half, we got it made. They said, well, we're going to have to throw that prayer out because there's no such Bible scriptural prayer. Right? Yeah. Right? So really it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a manifestation subtly about pride when, you know, I, gotta, I'll take, I can handle this. I can handle this. You've heard people say, I can handle this. Well, when our problem is so big and we still try to take the handle on it, we need to give the handle to God because he's got it handled. I said he's got it handled because he's got us covered, right? Amen? Cast thy burden upon the Lord, all of the burden, and he shall sustain thee, right? Don't we need the Lord's sustaining power? And he shall never suffer or permit the righteous to be moved. Moved. In other words, I can hold my feet steady because my feet are on solid ground. It's on the rock of Gibraltar. Glory to God. Psalm 62, 8 says, trust in him at what? All times. Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge unto us. Trust him when? All times. All times. Even when I don't feel like it. Remember Jesus said the words of our Lord in Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30. He said, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So God didn't burden us with unnecessary burdens. God gave us the ability to take the burdens the devil would try to put into our life and on our life, things that we cannot have control over other than to cast them back on the Lord. Because who is he? He's our refuge. He's our peace giver. 
Glory to God. And burdens weigh people down. They cause people, it's like putting a pack of rocks on your back and trying to walk around with them. They just, pretty soon you'll be hunched over. Pretty soon you'll be bent over. Why? Because it'll just weigh you down. And that's how it happens when we start thinking wrong. We're to come to Jesus and cast our burden upon him. 1 Peter chapter 5 says in verse 6, verse 7, let's go to verse 7. It says, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. Casting how much care again? All your care upon him. How's it going to work out? How am I going to make it? What's going to happen? Oh, the future's lurking. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then right on the tail of that, he says in the next verse, verse 8, be what? Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, stay after it. If you're vigilant about something, you're, you, you have a tenacity about you. Be sober, be vigilant, because why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So you have to steadfastly, by the decision you make, cast your cares on the Lord and say, I'm not going to worry about that. I am not going to take that care. I'm going to put it over on the Lord. Picture yourself with a bowl, like you'd have a bowl of spaghetti noodles or something. Take that bowl and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. You got it all figured out. You got it all figured out. I'm not going to worry about it. And when that tries to come back, because it it will. You say, no, you don't, devil. I'm not taking that care. I cast over. You find yourself, your mind beginning to wander. You say, no, you don't, devil. And speak to it. Don't just think it. That's where a lot of Christians get defeated. Is they think they try to think thoughts away. Versus then taking the word of God and resisting them. And calling them out for what they are. Call them out for what they are. No you don't. No you don't. In Jesus name. And you've got to let something, that fire, burn up on the inside of you by what? Staying stirred up about it. Say, no, you don't, devil. I'm casting my care over on the Lord. I'm not afraid of the future. I'm not afraid of tomorrow because my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And my God and me make a majority. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, you have to do this relentlessly because as he said there, after casting your cares on the Lord, right after that. Isn't that interesting? He says, be sober, be vigilant, because you're adversary. In other words, your opponent, the devil. Why? Because he knows that if you don't take those cares and put them rightly over on the Lord, that the devil is going to have an access point. He's going to have a handle in which he can devour you. And he's going to do it through our mind. That's how it's going to work out into our natural world and into our life is he's going to start with trying to put that seed of reason inside of us and get us to worry, to fret, and to be anxious about things that the Lord said, you cast them over on me. You keep them over on me after you get them over there and let me resolve the problem. Because I'm bigger than you. I'm bigger than you. I know more than you. See? A lot of people, well, again, back to that lady, if I... 
Now, if I can just, if I can get the Lord to take half of them. Right? I'm over time. Okay, tell them it'll be a while. No. <laughs> we got to go. One thing I want to give you here in conclusion. I give you so much here. Remember what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 6? How many of you remember that? Matthew chapter 6, in verse 25. He said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is it not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Look at yourself in the mirror. Am I not better than a sparrow? I think so. You don't look like a sparrow. And you don't fly. Other than you fly in the promises of God. Right? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? O you of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Take no thought. Saying. See, that's where people start taking thought and thoughts start taking hold of them is they take that thought and they start talking it. The wrong thoughts. Do you see that? So take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Because that's what the devil wants us to forever do. What are we going to do about this? And I know we've got to face problems and deal with them. But there comes a point is, we do what we can do, but then we've got to pray and cast the care of it over on the Lord because he's the only one that can resolve that problem and resolve it the way it needs to be resolved. Right? So take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. In other words, the unsaved, this is what they do. This is how they act. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what he's done. And appropriate those promises to your life. And what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And all these things, all these things that you'd take thought for, all these things that you'd worry about. Well, I'm going to be sleeping under a bridge. I'm going to be this. No, 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 no. No. Wrong thinking. Wrong believing. Wrong speaking. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things. In other words, everything you have need of, that will be added to you. Just seek first the plan of God. Seek first the plan of God, and he's got you covered in the plan of God. And following the plan of God is your safety net. It's your umbrella. It's your place of perfect peace. It's your place of perfect protection. It's your place of perfect provision. When you're seeking first the right things. Are you with me? Let's stand to our feet. Father God, we thank you for this time together, and we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you, to love you. And that, Father, in this name, the name of Jesus today, Lord, we do it as an act of faith. We say, Lord, and say this after me, say in the name of Jesus, I cast my cares over on the Lord. I'm not going to worry about things. I'm not going to be anxious about things. I'm not going to be fretful about things. 
The Lord has a plan. I live under the umbrella of God's protection, of his provision, because he loves me. He's on my side, and he's working in my situation. And he does that because I believe that he cares about me. He's on my side, and I obey him and cast my cares, all of my cares, not just half of them, not just most of them. If it's a care, if it's a concern, if it's a worry, I put it rightly and totally over on him because he cares for me. Casting all your care upon him, him who, that's the Father God, because why? He loves me, and he cares about me, and he's got me covered. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Now lift your hands up and thank him for that. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Oh, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Now that's the secret to prayer, effective prayer, casting